Um, hello. Hello, hello. It's so good to be here. I'm Bex. I've been um, part of Kexi for coming up three years now um, and love it. feel like this is our home. I literally live 30 seconds away as well. So um, I don't know why I'm telling you that. It just means that I live really close. Um, but it's so good to be here. Um, for those of you that were at the weekend away, well done. I don't know why you're here, but huge well done to you. And those of you that weren't, can I just encourage you, at some point, the talks are going to go up on the website. Um, and they're this couple called Julian and Katia, and they, um, they spoke to us this weekend kind of as a church community. And you guys were there in spirit, but you weren't there physically, which means that you missed out on the stuff that they were talking about, which is unbelievable. They spoke prophetically, directly into us as a church here at KXC. And I actually think that what they spoke about is almost going to be like a heartbeat that carries on for the rest of the year and for the rest of KXC and as we carry on. So please, can I encourage you, just listen to them, spend some time, put some, put some time aside on your way to work, whatever it is, because I'd hate for you to miss out on what we now are probably going to refer back to. Um, I'm just saying that, I'm not in charge, so I don't know, maybe we won't. But, um, but they've had such an impact on me and my sense of belonging here um, that I just really want to say that to you as well. Um, so yeah, that was my first thing. But for today, um, what I'd love to, for us to dive into is this theme on identity. And um, we're going to look at that in two ways. But I don't mean identity as in like, hi, I'm Bex, I'm 24, I'm a coach. And um, I've actually had a complicated relationship with names because I was Rebecca and then Becky and then Bex. And then actually when I was eight, I just remember having this breakdown and saying to mum, I don't know if you remember this, but mum, like, when can I change my name? And she said something about the legal age you can change your name. And, and she was like, why, darling? Why is I want to be Laura? <laughs> no idea why. I just really got captivated by the name Laura. Anyway, the legal age came and went, and I'm still Bex. And I might be Becky again. Who knows? But I'm not talking... I'm not talking about identities and the kind of the bits that make us who we are. I'm actually talking about, like, the, the core. Like, you know, like, the depths of your being. When everything else is taken... When stuff goes wrong, the actual, like what makes you, you, that's the identity I'm talking about. That's what I want us to explore. And then the other thing I want us to explore with identity is, do you ever get it where you know the truth of something? So I am a child of God, or I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You hear these things and you say it and you say it and you know it's true. I know it's true. And yet my reality, how I feel what I experience as a sense of self doesn't match that. Do you ever get that? And it's this tension, this void in between, I know it, do I know it, do I remember it? Yep, I know it, the Bible's true, so it must be true. Yep, I get it. And yet, I do things, and I feel things, and I think things, and it doesn't match. That's also what I want to look into. Rather than just being like, woo, identity, yeah, okay. But actually, who are you? And what happens in that that gap between what you know and how you feel. Um, and I'm going to do that using three things. Um, one is we're going to look at two Corinthians together. The other is I'm going to talk about a courtyard. And the other is we're going to talk about football. That's where we're going. Um, I don't know anything about football, so that might be interesting. But that's where we're heading. So um, this is 2 Corinthians 5. This is Paul talking to a church in Corinthians um, Paul and Timothy, they wrote it together. And basically, at the moment, the church isn't, they're not doing what they should be doing. They're not living up to who they can be. 
Um, And so this is the context. He's kind of talking about, this is who you are. You know, he's talking to the core of that person. This is who you are as a body of people. Um, But what we can get from this is we can understand this is who we are as me and as you. So this is what he says. um, It's verse 16 to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. That's a little bit in brackets. It's basically like saying we accidentally looked at Jesus as the world looked at Jesus and we missed it. We missed all of his amazingness. So we're not doing that anymore. Don't look at Jesus. Don't look at ourselves the way that the world does. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, it's almost like we commission you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, brought together, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's great. (laughs) There's a lot in there about identity. There's a lot about what makes us us. There's a lot about what makes you you. But I don't know if you noticed right at the beginning, so from now on, you wouldn't really use that phrase unless something has happened that then changes something. You know, this song in um, The Greatest Showman, show of hands, anyone seen that? Okay, good. Those of you that haven't, treat yourself tonight. Um, He's singing so from now on and, and he's saying, I've got to change. You know, if you started watching the film at that point, you'd miss the whole context of what he's saying. When we first got married, I started cooking, couldn't really do it. It was kind of just chicken, peas and sweet potato and it didn't work. So from now on, Johnny does the cooking because something had to, something had to change. Um, I remember my geography teacher saying, I'm leaving. So from now on, you're going to be taught by Miss Smith, which is the worst news I could have received. Couldn't stand Miss Smith. You know, so that phrase, what that's communicating to us is something's happened. And as a result, the future's changed. Now on, we're doing it like this. From this point on, we're doing it like this. So before we even get to the identity part of who we are and we're new and we're old, and before we even get there, Paul has said something before that we need to look at. Because of all that's happened, from now on, this is your identity. So we have to look backwards first. Does that make sense? So at this point, we have to go back. Just verse 14, a few before. But actually, this is dotted throughout the whole thing. Um, this message. This is what he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Now, what he's talking about there is the cross, about how Jesus died on the cross. One man died for all of us. And what he's saying is that in order for you to understand you, in order that we can move on from this point, you have to understand the cross. We have to look first at the cross in order to work out, who am I? What am I? Who who do I belong to? You have to look at the, the cross first. It's a little bit like if you're trying to understand the human body and you're kind of looking at fingers and brains and ribs and everything like that. And you're looking at the human body and you don't look at the heart So you can kind of explain things like you have a finger and in the finger is a bone and arteries and veins. 
But if you never look at the finger in the context of the heart that pumps blood all the way around the body, it makes the body work, then you've kind of missed the point of the finger and it doesn't, it's just a finger, you know? Whereas if you look at the heart first in a human, it explains everything else because everything else works by having blood pumped around it. So the cross is a little bit like looking at the heart first to then explain everything else that we are. We can't separate it. Can't say the cross is over there. That was something amazing that happened. Now let's focus on who we are. That's like looking at a lifeless finger with no blood in it. You have to look at the cross um, in order to understand who we are. So this is where the courtyard comes in. Um, In fact, actually, sorry, before I talk about that, I just want to put this in context of... um, what a kind of crisis on identity can look like. That sounds dramatic, but what, you know, you'll have moments or examples in your life that bring to life this feeling of, oh, who am I? Um, That might be something to do with family. That might be something to do with acceptance. It might be something to do with your relationship status, money. It might be something to do with jobs, promotions. It it can be anything, and I'm not going to try and fill in the blank for you but for me and then hopefully you can translate it to your life for me um I decided last year to leave my job and my job at that point I was working for a charity called Spear amazing charity and it was like the definition of my comfort zone I was just so comfortable in all the right ways I was stretched every day my manager was amazing she was prodding pressing but in in general it was like oh man life is a cruise and I loved it and I um for a number of reasons decided to leave last summer and move into something else and um for the first two months so sorry I need to explain what that was um moved into kind of the corporate world, moved for this um, company, and I'm now a coach, coaching their managers um, on how to manage with the idea that you get people at peak performance and all of that, results, KPIs, blah, blah. Um, So totally different to the charity world and a a huge stretch. You know, I found myself Googling what I was saying I could do. You know, it's that kind of complicated. This isn't my comfort zone anymore. Where's the line between lying and backing yourself? And it was confusing at the first. But those first two months, I had the worst imposter syndrome I've ever, ever experienced of you do not belong here. And soon they are going to find out that you are Googling what executive coaching actually is. And it was a really, really wobbly time. And I felt like I'd been put into a swimming pool with weights on my feet. Just like, okay, here's the deep end and I am drowning in it. And my identity at that point, before it was like, I'm good at my job, I can do it, I can do it, my eyes closed, yeah, woo. And then in literally overnight, new job, new environment, new job title, new expectations, new expectations on self. Oh gosh, who am I now? What am I now? And then this voice is, yeah, they're going to find out soon. You know that. And you should probably, okay, she's going for it, but I don't know, you know, and that kind of anxiety spiral then begins. So that was my first context of this identity, like, oh my gosh, who actually am I? And then the second thing is now that I've got through that, sadly, now every day I'm having to battle with this thing of when I change the whole company, when the whole company is now the best place in the whole world to work and it has the best reviews on Glassdoor, then I will be successful. Then I can think, I've done my job, great, well done, Bex. You are the person. Who am I? I'm the person that changed the company. So it's gone from being like, I can't do this, to I will do this and then I'll be okay. Neither of which reflect who I am. 
And so if I'm working in either of those places, I just can't, I can't work. And I sit there and I get annoyed when people don't make progress because it's, it's bringing something up in me. It's prodding me because I've put my identity on, I need to change the company. I just wonder, what is it for you? Before we look at the cross, before we look at that tension thing, what is it for you? Can you notice something in your life, something in your family, something in your thought patterns that it dictates who you are? And just hold that as we think about the cross and what Jesus did, just hold that in your mind. That's what I'm holding as I'm talking about this. So you're in a courtyard. I want you to imagine you're standing where I'm standing. The courtyard's like the size of this room, quite tall, Um, walls, you've got ivy coming down, quite a basic courtyard, kind of rubble floor, a bit of stones on the floor. And um, at the back of the room, so where the sound desk is, um, I want you to imagine that there are two soldiers and they're kind of old school soldiers. So they're wearing all the armor and it's like, you know, metal and, um, and they've got their sandals on and they're just standing there and you kind of clock them and you're like, okay, and you're just in the courtyard minding your own business, doing your own thing, and they're still there. And actually, as you begin to look at them a little bit more, you notice that one of them is holding uh, a whip, and the other one, well, he's holding, um, you know, the thing with the ball and the spikes on the bottom. So then you've clocked them a little bit more, and you're thinking, hmm, okay, so I'm not going to do anything with them. And you're just carrying on in the courtyard, and they're there minding their own business. And you, you pick up a stone, and for some reason, you just lob it at them, and it hits one of them. And you think, okay, and you just carry on. You're just in this courtyard, trying to now slightly a little bit more nervous, because you, you see that they're beginning to move towards you, Okay. So they're moving towards you, and, and you see, actually, they're beginning to raise their, their, their whips and their spiky thing, and you're like, okay, maybe it's just for someone else, but it was actually me with the rock and the stone, and okay, um, and so now, actually, you're beginning to panic, because it's like, you're doing the maths, I annoyed them first, and now they're coming to get me. And they start to pick up their pace, and you begin to see their facial expressions coming towards you, and they're not happy. And you're like, okay, okay. And actually, at this point, you're beginning to get a bit scared. And you begin to panic. And you're looking around thinking, how do I get out of this? They're literally heading straight towards me. No escape, big walls, ivy coming down. And then out of the corner of your eye, you notice someone come in. And and you just kind of know, it's, oh my gosh, Jesus, he's here. This is great. Jesus, what are you doing here? And he comes over and he starts talking to you. Thank goodness you're here. These people, they're about to come and hurt me. It was kind of my fault because of the whole rock situation, but I don't know why I did it. I don't even know why I did it. But anyway, thank goodness that you're here. How are you? Um, You are kind of like how I imagined actually. Yeah, it's good to see you. And he's just kind of looking at you and smiling and and he's not talking, but I'm kind of like, where did they go? I can't see them anymore. Okay, um, and then he says, um, oh, Bex, I love you. You're my child, and I love you. And you're a bit like, cool, yeah, no good. Uh, I'm just trying to see, because they were, they were holding quite lethal things. And, um, and he says, just listen to me again. You're my child, and I love you. And you're like, yeah. No, no, you're my child, and I love you. And then you just notice Jesus in front of you, just, just begin to flinch. You're like, ah, and he just begins to flinch again. And, and then you notice he's crying. 
Jesus, why, why are you crying? Where did you even come from, by the way? Why are you here? And then you notice, oh, no, what are you? And they, no, 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 sorry, that was my. And he says, no, no, I love you. You're my child, and I love you. And you say, no, 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 that was my fault. Stop doing what you're doing to him. That was my fault. I did it. Stop it. Stop. You're my child, Bex, and I love you. You're my child, and I love you. Can you imagine if in that moment I said to Jesus, thank you so much. I just need to go change this company, and then I'm going to be okay. I just need to go stop having as much fun, and then I'll come back, and then I'll listen to what you're saying. Or I, I, just need to, um, I just need that person. You know that CEO? He's really important. So I just really need him to like me, and then I'll come back and listen to what you're saying. He's like, no, you're missing it. Listen to me. You're my child, and I love you. And the, the, the action of what he's doing in that moment is communicating to us our identity in a way that nothing else will ever. Imagine if you're running off. Oh, sorry, I just need to go get a boyfriend, and then I'll be okay, and then my identity's fine, and then I'm going to listen to what you're saying. Oh, you're saying that I'm your child and you love it. Yeah, okay. I can't listen to that just quite yet, because I just need to go and so- He's like, no, stop. You're my child, and I love you. It would be as if you plan to cook for 16 people, 20 people for the rest of your life when the only person you ever are going to cook for is Jesus. And it gets crazy. You start saying, can you just taste this in case the other 16 won't like it? Do you think they'll like it? Is it okay? And he's like, but it's just me. You're just cooking for me for the rest of your life. Why are you, why are you suddenly got all these plates out? Well, no, because I just need to deal with these people. I just need to overmake just in case they turn. He's like, yeah, but I'm the only guest. I don't get it. Why are you cooking so much? You, I am the only one. He's the only one that has a say in who we are. And what does he say about us? You're my child and I love you. That's the starting point. That's what Paul says. We, we have to look there because we can't make up anything else. We can't go sort out anything else and then come back to God and say, okay, sorry, now I'm listening. He's saying from this starting point of being chosen by me and being my child, then you can go out and go sort the company out, go sort this out, go do this, go do whatever else. None of that is bad. But if that's your starting point of who you are, it warps what God has done for us. We miss what God has done for us on the cross. And that, well, that's just awful. I have no other way to say it. Just awful. Um, So what Jesus does on the cross, that is the first point of like, mm, the core of who we are. He's communicated to us in that moment. You are my child and I love you. Leave everything else for now. Get that in your brain. Then we'll move forward together. You are a child of God. That is your starting point. What the amazing thing um, about the cross is that it's transactional. No, no, sorry, I don't mean that. That makes, no, no, wrong word, sorry. What I mean is, <laughs> the amazing thing about the cross is that it's dynamic. So it, it moves things, it makes things change. And I don't know if you noticed, but in that verse that we um, shared at the beginning, this is what Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So what happened on the cross, it, it changed things. In that moment, things changed. So old stuff has gone and the new creation, me and you being new in Christ, that's what was created. Um, now this is where we talk about football. 
Gareth Bale um, is 29 years old. He's just had a baby, I think. And he currently plays for Real Madrid. And um, Gareth Bale grew up in Wales, in the valleys. And so, well, I've never been there, but I imagine it's... Well, it's just like Wales in the valleys, isn't it? It's just, that's all that comes to mind. Um, so that's him. Grows up, very normal life, goes to school, um, and obviously develops this love for football. And um, so I don't actually know how old he was, but Southampton clocked him and thought, actually, we want Gareth Bale to play for us. So they give over, have much money, and Gareth Bale then becomes a Southampton player. And he's there for a few seasons. And uh, then Tottenham... They see Gareth Bale and they say, now we really want him. So then he comes over from Southampton and he becomes a Tottenham player. He's there for six years, I think, six or seven years. And um, he, I mean, he grows as a football player there. He gets way better. He becomes way more popular. People begin to know who he is. He gets the whole kind of hairstyle thing on top of his head. And, um, and he's, he becomes an excellent, excellent player. And uh, he becomes more of an attacking player. And he basically, he's kind of like being noticed now by other people. Which then transfers to 2013, I think it was. I've Googled all of this, by the way. <laughs> Don't think I just follow football. Uh, 2013, Real Madrid come along and say, we actually want to buy him. And at the time, it was a world record deal of £85 million. Pounds. So Real Madrid come along... And they say, we're going to give you £85 million, Tottenham. And that means that he now becomes a Real Madrid player rather than a Tottenham player. As soon as that contract is signed, in that exact moment, Bale has just become a Real Madrid player. But also in that exact same moment, he feels and experiences life as a Tottenham player. He's more familiar with the dressing room at Tottenham. He knows all his friends at Tottenham. He knows how Tottenham play. He doesn't know anything about Real Madrid yet. Absolutely nothing. And yet, in that moment, his actual reality is that he is a Real Madrid player. So he knows the truth. He knows the reality. I am a Real Madrid player. It's been signed. The price was paid. I am a Real Madrid player. His experience and his feelings and how he operates and what's comfortable for him is 100% Tottenham. And yet, he's 100% Real Madrid. Can you see the tension that he's in in that exact moment? This is, this is what happened. Tottenham, 85 million, Real Madrid. I just needed to keep it really simple for myself. <laughs> um, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, a price was paid exactly in the same way as this transfer that happened. I mean, way more complicated, but, but it follows the same thing. We, in our old creation, feel a certain way. We, we operate in a certain way. It's the lies or the, or the kind of stuff in our head. I, I just, I know that I have to do X in order to feel successful, in order to feel powerful, in order to feel secure, in order, whatever it is that fills your head. We feel that. That is a reality of ours that we face and we feel. And yet, in the exact moment that Jesus died for us, actual truth and the actual reality that we now have is that we are children of God and that that is our identity. 
Do you see, can you see that tension? It's totally normal for us to know the reality, to know the actual truth, and yet to feel something totally different. But the transaction happened, it shows it here. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The equivalent of the 85 million. Here's our sin, and there's God's righteousness. He says, okay, give me the sin, and you can have the righteousness. That's what happens on the cross. That's the transaction, the deal that's been signed. In that exact moment, our identity has changed. We are righteous children of God, chosen by him, with good plans and promises over our life. In that exact moment, and yet... It's something that we have to grow into. If you're feeling that tension and it makes you think, well, suck it. I've just, I've screwed it up again. And I should be feeling like child of God, la, la, la. But over here, I'm feeling like a failure. So I just give it all in. No, you're on the right path. That's how we should be feeling. It's the reality that we face of the now and not yet. The tension and that that wrestle that happens between us of, I know I am a chosen child of God. I know that deal was signed on the cross. And yet I feel something different. Don't give up there. You will have missed it. If you think, well, fine. What we do is we step in into what was already ours and what God has already given us. If Gareth Bale was signed, 85 million, became Real Madrid, went back to his friends every week at Tottenham and played Tottenham goals, scored Tottenham goals, did that whole thing, he's never going to become a Real Madrid player. If he doesn't move over there, if he doesn't get familiar with the lockers, if he doesn't do all those things that footballers do other than on a Saturday, don't know what that is. But if he doesn't do that, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to carry on hanging out here. It's like, well, you're never going to feel like a Real Madrid player then, are you? You're never going to fit in. You're never going to be able to do your absolute best as a footballer for this team if you're not practicing and living and absorbing yourself in that. Again, it's a, can you see the analogy? It's a similar thing for us. If we just think, well, I just won't do it then. I just won't involve myself. Or I just won't, I won't kind of press in for who God says I am. Then, yeah, we're not going to feel like that. We're not going to become like that. It's this incredible thing that it's something that's been given to us. And we grow into it, even though it's something that develops and, and changes So I have a niece, uh, well, I have a nephew as well, but I'm just going to use the niece for now. And um, she's called Amelie, she's two. She's actually Queen Sass, she's amazing. And um, when she was first born, she was Amelie Edwards. And that's that's her name. She will always, maybe until she gets married, but she'll always be Amelie Edwards. That's, That's kind of the identity on her at that point. When she's a newborn, she's got no idea of that. She's not, no concept of that, no reference point of, I am an Edwards She just doesn't. And as she grows up, she will become more and more aware of, oh, I'm stepping into this thing that's always been mine. I haven't had to earn the Edwards. I haven't had to kind of work it out or at some age I got given it. It's always been mine from newborn all the way up till she dies. And yet as she grows and develops, she steps more and more into that identity. Being a child of God, it's there for us. It's given to us. It's fact 
Having that as your starting point, is something, it's the equivalent of being born. And it's something that we grow into and we become more apparent. Or it becomes more obvious. And we step into it and develop it. And that's why I love, I'm going to finish with this. That's why I love um, the language that we use here at KXE. If you're new, we... Um, a few years ago now, we were looking at um, apprenticeship and this idea of like becoming like Jesus and practicing to be like Jesus, not just assuming it will happen. And I love that uh, kind of like doing word sense of becoming like Jesus, becoming, stepping into our identity in Jesus. Um, because it insinuates that actually it's exactly how it should be. We're not supposed to just feel like a child of God. It's something that you work on and you develop and it, and it becomes kind of more and more normal the more that you press into it, which is extraordinary when you then think about something like coming to church, going to hub, belonging to a pattern, serving, praying for someone, reading your Bible. They're not just cute things that you do because you're a Christian. They're things that are forming your identity in God. They are, that's the equivalent of Gareth Bale going to Real Madrid and training as a Real Madrid player. He's becoming more like a Real Madrid player the more that he practices with Real Madrid. The more that we practice becoming like Jesus, the more we step into and become better at being children of God, having that as our starting point. I love that idea that you're accumulating points, not in a bad way as in like you have to earn it, but accumulating like I'm becoming more like it, I'm becoming more like it, I'm becoming more like it. Which is why we say come to church, commit to church, join a hub, get involved in pattern, pray, read your Bible, do all that stuff that the pattern website says to do. Because it's not just so that you're a good Christian, it's so that you become who you are. And you step into your identity. Now, I don't know what you need to do. I mean, we always set New Year's resolutions, don't we? And trying to build new habits or cut old habits. Or I don't know if you need to print a photo of Gareth Bale on your bathroom door. Or I don't know what needs to happen. But the enemy will want us to think, oh, you don't feel like a child of God. Yeah, that's because you've still got a long way to go to get there. And he, and he just slightly warps it to make us think like, oh, yeah, okay, I just want to go to church. I can't even be bothered. I can't reflect on this week. Oh. And, and it just slightly, it just taints the truth. But the truth is that when you practice, when you do the things that Jesus asks us to do, literally like Paul says, become ambassadors, that's when you step into your identity. You become your identity. You create your identity. Something that was there for you from the cross and is just for you to grow into and develop. Just like Amelie becomes more aware, I'm an Edwards, I'm an Edwards. As she grows up, it's always been there for her. And the more she grows up, the more that she realises that. So can I leave you with that? That you can't look at who you are. You won't find answers and who you are and what gets you out of bed in the morning and how secure and stable you feel if you miss the cross. Go back to the cross, ponder on the cross, reflect on the cross, reflect on what he did. That's what like, the like gritty part of who you are. And then secondly, when you're feeling like, oh gosh, I screwed that up or I didn't do that or who am I or I need to do this in order to da 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 and that kind of chaos goes in our head. Practice becoming, belonging, 
doing what Jesus did because that is what is creating you into the identity that God has given you.